Okay, right. It's Oasis time. Tell us about this. Yeah, Oasis Nebworth 1996 does exactly what it says on the tin. Two nights, um, 250,000 people in total. Directed by Jake Scott. A lot of Scots in the program um, this week because you're doing you're doing Ridley Diddley next week, right? I'm interviewing him later today for inclusion in next week's program along yeah. with Jodie Comer. And, uh, you know, Jake Scott, prolific music video maker, also director of films like American Woman, which uh, we had the star of here on the show. So Noel Gallagher is uh, one of the producers. We hear much from him and Bonehead, not from Liam in the same way. Film uses extensive video archive, all edited in mind-boggling fashion, along with some dramatization of 90s teens. We, we, have, we hear the voices of people recalling, getting on the phone, trying to get tickets, going to the record shop. And then we see some dramatization. I think the dramatizations, there must be dramatizations um, of them, talking about it was like a Willy Wonka golden ticket if you actually managed to get a ticket. We even have some stuff of people listening in their bedrooms when it was broadcast on the radio and a bit about somebody flipping over the cassette in exactly three seconds between songs, which is a skill that would no longer mean anything to the younger generation today. You don't know they're born. Crucially, this was pre-internet. So there isn't a swathe of cell phone footage. In fact, the film talks about how, you know, this is in the pre-internet age. Therefore, everyone is at the gig because they want to be at the gig, not because they want to put it on social media that they were at, at the gig. Um, so, you know, I'm not a huge Oasis fan. Um, I, again, this is like we're saying about the Sopranos thing. It is generally regarded that they were at the top of their game during this uh, two nights. Um, there's some interesting observations about how they'd gone from playing smaller venues to playing places like Nebworth, you know, which are known for the Stones and Led Zeppelin and Floyd in almost no time at all. And we also get, you know, famously, John Squire from Stone Roses coming on to join them for Champagne Supernova. Here is a clip from um, Oasis Nebworth 1996. Champagne Supernova. Champagne Supernova comes on. Everyone loves that song. And you've got this legend of the Stone Roses playing as well. The fact that John Squire was on stage with, with Oasis was just... How many special people change? How many lives to live in strange? Where we are while we were getting high. Slowly walking down the hall. Having John Squire walk on stage, being on my left hand side, playing one of our songs was uh, a bit of a moment for me, you know. That probably was my Nebworth moment, you know. I had to, I had to play it cool. So there's you know, loads of you know, split screen on the gig footage, plaudits to Dick Carruthers, and then there's backstage stuff. I mean, even for people like me who aren't fans, you know, shots of, you know, Patsy Kensit in a golf cart and then, then that terrible white jacket, which always resembled the party frock that Mick Jagger wore at the, you know, the Stones concert at Hyde Park. It kind of feels nostalgic. There are endless voices telling us that Liam was the greatest front man of his generation, Noel's the greatest songwriter of his generation. All of that kind of gets a little bit grating, as does the endless amount of everyone from the band to the fans telling us that this was the most important gig ever and nothing was ever like it before and nothing would ever be oh, the yeah, same yeah. afterwards, which isn't true. But then, you know, hey, you know, that's fine. There's the moment on stage in which Noel says, this is history right here, right now. And they talk about crowd rapture. And it is, there is no question 
that if you're going to watch, you know, Oasis, uh, Nebworth 1996, the chances are you're an Oasis fan. And I, I always feel very sniffy about being, you know, if there's a band that mean that means so much to so many people, the fact that I, that I'm not a fan does, is neither here nor there. I mean, because, you know, clearly they hit a nerve with their fans and it is true that when you watch it kind of from the outside as it is for me because i mean you know most of the songs i mean the fact is they are very very catchy songs um but when you see the way in which the crowd are reacting and you know and loving it that's great it's my idea of hell on earth i'm terrified of crowds um and there's a bit when everyone's chucking it becomes like the biggest litter fight and it's just like yeah okay not for me at all but the film is, I think, a you know very, very sort of well put together, if frankly, you know, hagiographic account of the two nights uh, at Nebworth. And if you if what you want to do, if you're a fan and what you want to do is relive that moment of kind of fandom bliss, then the film does that for you. I mean, it's not Summer of Soul, which I still think is the kind of film that would, you know, have that would work for anyone. For this, I think same with Sopranos. You have to, you know, you have to have been a Sopranos fan to get the the film spin-off. In the case of this, you'd have to be an Oasis fan. I have watched loads of rock documentaries in which I wasn't a fan of the of the bands, but I've still found the documentaries interesting. I still think, you know, you look at something like Dig, and it's just brilliant. Um, this is absolutely for and largely about the fans, actually. Um, you know, it is very interested in the fact, and there are people, you know, who have Oasis lyrics tattooed on their arm, and you know, who am I to to, to question that kind of devotion? Because you know, the things I love. I mean, seriously, if somebody made a, you know, uh, if somebody made a documentary about the Live Stiffs live gig with Elvis Costello, Ian Jury, uh, Nick Lowe, Reckless Eric, I would want to watch that over and over again. And if that's how you feel about Oasis, this will do that for me. Not so much. I was listening to a great podcast of... Uh, it was Rick Rubin interviewing Ringo Starr. Oh, yeah. And, Ring, and Ringo is talking about going to see the Beatles before he was in the Beatles and yes. and shouting out... You know, they did requests and he would shout out and heckle them. It was just a great story, stuff I hadn't stuff I actually hadn't heard before. Anyway, there we is have a, learned... Can I just say, there is a story, and I don't know whether this is true, that Pete Best, who was there before Ringo... Mm that Pete Best did at one point release an album called Best of the Beatles. But I don't know whether it's true or not. Should be. Definitely should be, <laughs> even if it isn't.